0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Sahil Lavingia. Sahil is the founder and CEO of Gumroad, a startup which enables creatives such as writers, designers, and musicians to sell their products directly to their audience. Sahil founded Gumroad in 2011 and to date has raised more than $8 million in funding. Sahil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little more bit more about you personally and then give us an overview of your product and business.
1: Totally. So I am traditionally a designer. I started out um, in design and slowly moved into engineering when I realized that there was a lot of value in writing software. It was a lot of fun. Um, and it also let you, you know, make money in a way that wasn't sort of totally correlated to an hourly rate and time that you were putting into it. And so that was really appealing to me. Um, I started out making web apps, uh, quickly realized that mobile apps were slightly more interesting and I was probably also slightly better at it. And so I started doing that. Um, I started working at Pinterest through that. I went to school at USC down in LA, and I got an email sort of out of the blue from from Ben, the CEO, saying that they needed help on their mobile components. And so I started helping them and a few other startups out with that stuff. That you know correlated, it translated into me working full time in the Valley for them. And then a year later, I left to start Gumroad um, mainly because I thought that sort of like you know how I talked about like it was really cool to be able to like write software because it was this interesting combination of like doing something that i really like to do making money off of it and then also having a real impact um it's pretty hard to find doing all those three things with one thing like all i had to do was like make apps and you know all these three things were accomplished and with government we sort of want to enable that to happen to a a sort of broader group of people as you mentioned writers filmmakers comedians authors comic writers etc
0: Awesome. Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes?
1: Yeah, so Steve Jobs said this thing that was basically, I'll just quote it, everything was made up by people that were no smarter than you. I think it's just good as you, you know, you go through your life, sort of being aware that everything around you was built by people that were just as smart as you are, probably less smart because that stuff happened in the past and you probably know more than they do or more than, know more than they did.
0: Cool. So before we talk about Road, I want to find out a little bit more about you. Tell me, where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up in Singapore primarily.
0: And when did you, you're, so you're in the Valley now?
1: Yeah, I, well, I live in San Francisco, yeah. I'm in the Bay Area.
0: And so when did you move over there?
1: I moved over here in 2011, January of 2011.
0: And you mentioned you you joined Pinterest. Tell me a little bit more about how that happened.
1: Yeah, so I I grew up in Singapore when I was 17. I moved to LA to go to school at USC to get a degree, as you would. Um, And then while I was there, I sort of published a lot of the things that I was building, apps and designs and blog posts and tweets and stuff. I basically... Decided that now that I was sort of in America and in California, more specifically, it probably made a lot of sense to sort of put myself out there a little bit. And doing that, you know, being up here in the Bay Area, talent is pretty hard to find. And so startups basically look elsewhere. And so I assume, you know, Ben from Pinterest, they wanted to find a mobile designer, uh, engineer, and they saw my work and sent me an email.
0: So how big was Pinterest when you were there? Four people. Four people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and how long did you stay with the company? Around a year. And so did you have any idea of how big that business may become when you were there?
1: I still don't think I do, to be honest. I still think there's a lot of room for them to do more. And yeah, I feel I definitely had a sense joining them. I don't think I would have joined if I didn't feel like there was a lot of growth opportunity there. Like it was definitely clear that people were like the data that I had where that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but the people that were using the service were really engaged and like really liked the service. I really liked the people that worked on it. They definitely believed that this was a long-term play. There was no conversation about getting acquired. It was always about the long game, which was really appealing to me. Um, I, it's, you know, it's in hindsight, it's easy to say it would have definitely been a $5 billion company or whatever it is worth now on paper. Um, I don't know if I felt that going into it, but I definitely felt that it was going to be pretty, pretty valuable for the people that used it as a software product.
0: And why did you want to go out and start your own business? What was the driver for you personally?
1: Yeah, honestly, it was less about starting a business and more about focusing the vast majority of my time on solving a specific problem. um, I sort of stumbled upon this problem. It got me really excited. I felt like this sort of path that I sort of ended up on by accident, I could sort of, you know, sort of make happen to other people at a broader, at at sort of a much larger scale. And so that was really exciting to me. And it sort of, you know, it was more sort of like a necessary evil to start the company to solve the problem than the other way around.
0: So so tell me more about how you discovered that problem. What were you, what was going on? Yeah. So I
1: actually was trying to learn sort of photorealistic icon design on the side and I spent a bunch of hours learning and I felt like I got pretty okay at it. And I had all these source files that I generated. And so I tried selling one of them um, to my tiny audience on Dribbble at the time and Twitter and I thought it was, it was going to be pretty easy. You know, I could at this point I could design and code. I had a website, I had a PayPal account, I I had an FTP server, like all these things, right? And I still couldn't figure it out. It was still pretty painful and not intuitive at all how to go about selling this digital file to my audience. And to me, that was just strange. Like in, in general, if I I you know if I if I think something is going to be really easy and it turns out not to be, that's sort of sometimes an interesting problem to go out and solve. And so I did, I decided that I'd spend a weekend building a prototype and I did. And I launched it Monday morning and there was a bunch of pretty positive feedback, I think. And yeah, that's how it started.
0: So you built the first version of Gumroad over a weekend?
1: Yes. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then, so how did you get the word out about it?
1: I put it on Hacker News. I wrote a blog post and I tweeted about it. And I think the first day, um, around 50,000 people saw it.
0: And did you have people starting to use it that week?
1: Yeah, a few. I mean, it wasn't like crazy, but yeah, there were definitely a bunch of people that signed up and, and started selling stuff. I didn't know how much of it was like, you know, people just messing around with it and trying it out. That was probably a good chunk. But yeah, there were definitely a few people I remember that were using it. Um, viably, um, including myself. You know, I, I launched it by trying to sell that icon that I wanted to sell Friday night.
0: Now, building building a solution to handle payment processing doesn't seem like the easiest thing in the world to build when you think about all of the security issues. Um, so what was your experience there and, and how did you get around that?
1: Yeah, so when government first started, I used a service called Stripe, um, which was started by a friend of mine to process the payments. And so that made it a little easier. And so that I, then I could just focus on what I thought was like the sort of more compelling part of it, which was the actual creator side tools of allowing people to upload content and then delivering it to buyers.
0: Okay. So you've, you've launched the, the first version of Gumroad over a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the word out there. You've got some interest. What did you do next to try and, um, acquire more customers?
1: I honestly didn't do that much. My focus wasn't really, at the time at least, wasn't really on acquiring customers. It was more about how do I put myself in a position where I can focus on this full time and hire a few people and just start really building out, sort of, you know, getting closer to our vision of what we wanted the product to look like and what we wanted the product to be able to do or at least help people do, which I think is probably more important. Um, so the first thing I did really was I I left Pinterest and I raised a seed round and moved up to San Francisco. I got a loft, set up an office, um, got a friend to start helping me out on the initial version of the product and we just just kept building it, trying to make it better, more polished, build features. Um, it, for us, and even today I would say, our focus is definitely on just building a better and better quality product. The cool thing about Garmord is that so much of the growth is sort of built into the way that people just inherently use it. You know, if you sell... For example, if a musician sells an album to his or her audience, like instantly, basically, that entire audience is now aware of this new service called Gumroad, which helps him sell his work to his audience. Many of the people in his audience could potentially be other types of creators that could also benefit from using Gumroad. And so we've actually never spent a ton of resources on just growth.
0: So every time... Somebody uses Gumroad to sell a digital product. Um, their customers get to know about about Gumroad through the purchasing experience, exactly, right? exactly. And also the consumption
1: experience, right? So if you buy a product on Gumroad, for example, if you buy a film, the actual consumption of the of, of the product can also happen within Gumroad.
0: Right. So looking back at those early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. I would say that I, I mean, it's very easy to say in hindsight again, but like, I wish I started sooner. I think that this is like a problem that's going to take multiple, if if all goes well, multiple decades to solve. And so, you know, the, the more time I had to start working on it, I think the better off, um, we'd be for it. I think something that I've learned over time is that it definitely takes a lot longer, it's probably more expensive, and it's not going to be as valuable to build anything. You know, if that makes sense, right? Like you're going to think that you want something that's better than the previous incarnation of your product. And if it's 30 times better, like 30 times more people are going to use it immediately and you're going to make so much more money. And that's sort of not how it works. And so the way I approach it is like, we believe in this product. We believe in th- that this is the best way to go about solving this problem. And we're just gonna keep building it and not try to pay too much attention to the reaction and the you know, the actual behavior of the users. We're just gonna build, keep building what we're trying to build as fast as we can. And hopefully it works.
0: Okay. So you've got some paying customers. You've you know you've got that first version of the product out there. Um, you seem to be gaining some traction. What were you doing next? You, you said you didn't spend much time really thinking about acquiring customers. Uh, where was the focus? Was it on the product? And, and what kind of um, growing pains did you experience as, as you got that product out to more users?
1: Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was definitely on the product. I'd say the biggest thing that you know gumroad when it started you know i built it in a weekend so so it was pretty simple right there was only so much i could build and so the, in the first version of the product you would basically upload you know some file right some you know set of zeros and ones basically and we take that and every time a person purchased that product you would get that same set of zeros and ones and over time we realized like that was awesome to get started it was really simple really easy to set up Um, The issue was that over time people actually didn't want to sort of deal with this really low level sort of implementation. They wanted to say, Hey, I'm selling a book, you know, I'm not selling like a a zip file with like a PDF and EPUB and a Mobi file. I just want to be, you know, the idea is that I'm selling a book. Right. And on the consumer side, it's similar. If you buy a book, you want to buy a book and you want to read the book. You don't, don't necessarily care about the underlying, like what's happening. And you know a lot of the work we've done over the past uh, year or two has been around that around how do we abstract away the complexity that doesn't matter to our users? And that's basically all we've been doing. you know there's there's also just adding features, right So adding the ability to do a pre-order on Gumroad or subs- a, a subscription on Gumroad or you know better analytics, um, mobile consumption. Um, you know last week we launched a way to buy things in line on Twitter. Uh, but the vast majority of the work we do is thinking about how do we abstract away complexity.
0: So you're you're a first time CEO, and you're fairly young as well. Mm-hmm. You're are you twenty two? Yeah, twenty two. So what's that experience been like as as a first time CEO and what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, I don't, know I, I don't really know how well it's going because I don't have anything, any other experiences <laughs> of any similar nature to compare it to. But I think it's it's, go, it's gone pretty well so far. You know, I sleep pretty well. I have a few white hairs, but overall I think I've handled it pretty okay. Um, in terms of challenges, I think there are probably quite a few. Um, one is... Managing people and leading people, I think those are two separate things, but I think you know I've never sort of done that before. I didn't really know what it meant. It sounds kind of douchey, but there's a lot of value in being able to do both of those jobs pretty well. Um, one of the best things I've learned so far is probably how to give feedback and take feedback. It's probably the best job you can have if you, if that's important to you, and I do think it is and so I think I've gone you know in the last two and a half, three years now. Um, I'm a lot better at at giving both positive and negative feedback to people and and actually trying to do it in a way that's going to help people improve. Um, Another thing that I I think I'm okay at, but can definitely get better at is just being self-aware. I think when you're a CEO, your actions go pretty far. Um, And so you have to just be pretty self-aware of what people think of you and your decision-making process and, the reasoning that goes into a decision that you've made. And you have to be really good at communicating the why, not just the what. And you have to do it without other people telling you to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, there's a few of the challenges.
0: Okay. And so a couple of years ago, you went through a Series A round and raised around around $7 million? Yep, correct. So tell me about that experience. You know, how did you learn to to go through that process and, and raise that money?
1: Yeah. So the way it sort of happened was we, so we at the time had a you know, close the seat around of a million bucks or so. And from, you know, a bunch of pretty awesome people, we didn't really need to raise money again. And as it goes, a bunch of people um, in the venture capital community Saw the stuff that we were doing, the products that we're building, and got pretty excited about the vision. And as is their job, they emailed me asking if I could sit down with them and explain to them, you know, from my point of view, why what I was doing was interesting, exciting, important, valuable, meaningful, et cetera. And so I did a couple times. And yeah, people were like, hey, this sounds really cool. We'd actually love to see if you'd be interested in just, you know, turning this into sort of a series A, like the next sort of step up type of company. Um, and that was exciting to me. You know, I started Gummer because I really believed in where it could go. It wasn't like a sort of see if it works over time. It was more like, I know this is going to work. I just need as many resources, resources as possible as soon as possible. And yeah, so I did it. I had a couple of partnership meetings and, you know, got a few term sheets, et cetera, and decided to raise the round up. In terms of how I was able to navigate it as a first timer, um, the great thing about our industry in particular over maybe others is that there's just so much information out there on how to go about doing this. You know, a lot of people have done it by now and it's not a sort of thing that once you do it, you're sort of secretive about how you did it. Just like I told you basically exactly how it went down. A lot of people were willing to tell me the exact same thing. I also had a good group of seed investors that were, you know, pretty available to talk to uh, quite frequently about how they thought about the process and the terms and any questions that I had. And then the other thing is when you're raising money, it's not really sort of a competitive thing, right? It's not really you versus a bunch of vendor capitalists. Like there's negotiation and stuff involved, but it's really about working together to figure out how you can work together uh in the future. And so even like, you know, if I had a question, I would just ask the person I was negotiating with, like, what do you think about this? And luckily, like, you know, these are pretty long-term relationships that you're building. Everyone here is going to be doing this for probably quite a long time. And so no one is really trying to like screw you over for short, short short-term gain. It's just not worth it. Nor is it any fun.
0: Yeah. So, so talking about this industry, I, I heard a recall a funny story I heard about, you know, how you actually got into, you know, even using computers and something to do with your brother can you yeah. can you share that story with our audience?
1: Totally. I'm surprised you found that. Um yeah, so my brother actually I think was he's 2 years younger than I am, but I think he was ahead of the curve in terms of technology. As is probably pretty common nowadays if you compare young young people to older older people. But yeah, he was into technology and so my mom, I remember this one time where my mom asked him like there was some problem with the computer or the internet or something and my mom went to him for help and I just thought that was ridiculous that that she would approach him before me for help with anything. Um, and so I took it upon myself to beat him (laughs) and that's sort of how it started, I guess. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is, I I can't even, I don't even remember how old I was, probably like 10, 11 or something like that. Uh,
0: That's a funny story. Okay. so So we started this conversation by going back to where the idea for gumroad came from. And then we've taken this journey together on how you turn that idea into successful product. Um, can you share some numbers in terms of customers or revenue to help us better understand where you are with your business today?
1: Um, unfortunately, we're pretty vague typically about public numbers. Um, I can say that we've had pretty good growth. I think on core, I shared a response where I think last year, every year we grew roughly over 20% every month. I think it's something like 26%. And so the growth's been really phenomenal, um, which has been nice because it, it hasn't been something that we're out for right now. You know, like the great thing about raising money is that you can sort of, you know, it's not like taking your time necessarily, but you have time, right? You have a little bit of leeway in and runway really in, in building a thing that you really want to build. And you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to make it work immediately for it to work at all. You know, it can take a year or two or three years to work. Um, so it's been nice to see the growth, even though we haven't really been fighting for it necessarily. Um, we have really big users like Eminem, right? Um, Keith Urban, a bunch of music artists. We've started working with film partners like Magnolia Pictures, the guys that do uh the smart guys and the smartest guys in the room, Jiro Sushi, Man on Wire, Blackfish. And so we we've definitely seen a lot of growth in both the sort of big name brand, sort of more big box retailer type businesses, as well as the people that I personally just get more excited about, like the really independent uh, random guys that were freelancing or like working somewhere before that are now full-time making things. Um, um, Yeah. Unfortunately I can't disclose the absolute numbers, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of sense of the scale of our business. You know, like the Twitter partnership, for example, launched on Monday last week and we were one of two merchant partners on that. And so that gives you maybe hopefully a little bit of a sense of how big we are.
0: Yeah. Can you give me an example of maybe an unusual product that's being sold through Gumroad?
1: Um, Yeah, totally. So there's a few. Um, I mean, there's probably more than I even know of at this point. Um, There's a guy, this guy Kyle, who is awesome, who sells Photoshop brushes on Gumroad. He makes literally hundreds of thousands of dollars selling Photoshop brushes, you know, these brushes that you can sort of import into Photoshop and then use to paint and draw and things um, to artists and illustrators around the world. Um, that's sort of mind blowing because it's like this sort of one, it's, it's not really an industry. It's not really like, you know, there's like a bunch of these people doing this. He just realized that he had this thing that he'd made for himself and then he went out and tried selling it. And it turns out that there was a lot of value in doing that. So I like stuff like that because it sort of highlights why government is interesting. Um, it's not about us trying to cater only to three or four different big verticals. It's about just building this sort of platform that anyone can use. Um, to me, that's like one of the biggest values of it. Um, there's a personal trainer that sells eBooks and workout material. There's a bunch of independent films. It's really cool to see people that just graduate film school. And then instead of like going into a more traditional route, they'll actually try to sell, make and sell a documentary or an independent film and then do pretty well doing that, which is pretty exciting to see though. I guess that's not weird necessarily. Um, yeah, weird. Hmm. <laughs> so, I'd have to spend more time thinking about that.
0: So, th- looking at your business today, w- what's the one thing that you're most excited about?
1: Um, I'm most excited about the untapped value that we can add to every single creator's life. Um, over time, as we grow and we get more and more creators onto the system, I think there's a massive opportunity to a massive opportunity to solve certain problems. Sort of. Um, in bulk for all creators at a time. So, for example, every person that starts a small business, which is really what all these people are, has to learn how to pay income tax, right? themselves. They don't. They, if you don't work full time in another company, that turns out to be not trivial to do. Um, they have to deal with getting health benefits. They have to deal with all these bank accounts and all this stuff, right? And so there's all this all this stuff that has to do with making, you know, running a business, which is outside of the core of making stuff in general, right? There's a big difference between making music and making money, making music. And we basically, we, you know, we're starting with software, purely software to help solve a lot of those problems. But I think over time we'd love to do, um, we'd love to do more of that. We'd love to figure out more of these like less product software things that can still add a ton of, and there's, you know, there's always going to be software involved, but, um, this sort of unbundling of, okay, if, you were, if you're if you an author and you are signed to a publisher, what's all the stuff that a publisher does for you, right? Let's make a list and see how much of that over time we can do with software at, at a much larger scale, make it a lot more affordable for every creator on the planet.
0: Interesting. So today, Gumroad is a place for creatives to go and sell their content. But it sounds like in the future, you want that to be a place where they can pretty much run their business from. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Like we want to be, yeah, like basically your little control panel, right? And it's so easy to use and your entire business is now, instead of using all this crazy different types of software and dealing with all these different types of people and it probably being pretty expensive and time consuming and require a lot of expertise. It's just like, Oh, you just sign on a government. It's super easy to use And by the way. Like you don't have to do any of this stuff anymore. And instead of spending, 10% 10% of your time making stuff and 90% of your time doing all this other stuff. It's the opposite.
0: All right. So I hope it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to oh ask dear. you, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready?
1: Yes. Well, no, but sure.
0: <laughs> Let's go. All right. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received?
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to answer this in two parts. The best piece of advice definitely has been the fact that most advice doesn't really matter that much. Um, The second piece of actual advice, because the first one doesn't really count, is that the only thing that separates things that worked from things that didn't work is the fact that the people that worked on the things that worked didn't stop working on them, if that makes sense. right? Like That's really the only difference between something that worked and something that didn't work is the thing that worked, the guy didn't stop working on it.
0: Yeah. I think too often we just give up, right? You don't see any traction and you just kind of call it a day too soon. Yeah. Someone
1: said that most, most startups die by suicide, not homicide.
0: (laughs) Okay. What book would you recommend to our audience and why?
1: I just started reading this book called The Selfish Gene. Um, I think it's, it's a really good book about like sort of the origin of life and our genes and our story as human beings. Um, It's just a pretty interesting book. It gives you a really, really broad sense of scale On how everything has come to be, and just like this pretty broad appreciation for everything. My favorite book ever is this book called Foundation and the two sequels in its entirety called the Foundation Saga, which is just a pretty awesome sci-fi book. um, About it's just it's really interesting because it's not really about characters, but but about like sort of how humanity deals with certain problems at scale, Um, and it's really interesting.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. Something I've noticed is this like really interesting ability to be self-deprecating, but really confident at the same time. Um, I think that sort of goes hand in hand with self-awareness, but the, the people that I've met that have been pretty amazing to meet have, have had this really awesome ability to like make jokes about themselves, but also being incredibly confident. Um, Also, something I've noticed is like a lot of sarcasm typically comes from these types of people for whatever reason.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Definitely waking up early. Um, I can always get better at it, but i found that every time I wake up early and I get out of bed bed and I start doing things as soon as possible, um, my day is is a lot better off for it.
0: If you had to start over tomorrow what type of business would you go and build? Honestly, I think the exact same
1: business. I think there's no problem that I've come upon. And I've, you know, I've at least seen articles written about a lot of people solving a lot of different problems um, besides this one.
0: What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: English is actually my third language, even though I speak it the best. Um, my first language is uh, was Gujarati and my second language is Hindi. Um, unfortunately at at this point I can only really speak English very well. I can sort of understand Hindi and Gujarati, but I can't actually tell the difference between the two anymore. So if you answer, if you talk to me in one, I can answer, but I won't know if you actually, if you actually, if what you said was Hindi or not.
0: I would have never guessed that English was your third language. Yeah. So, and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work?
1: Um, that's a good one. I try to go to the gym three to five times a week. I think it's important to have something that is controllable. You know, I think like the great thing about Gumroad is that it's, it's this like thing that's different every single day. The scary part is that it means that maybe you'll have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. And I like having a hobby outside of work. That is something that's entirely in my control. And so I find that going to the gym and making sure that I do that is something that at the end of every week I can be like, well, Gumroad sucked this week, even though I don't really think that most of the time. Uh, but at least I went to the gym and I like I was able to like sort of you know, progress in some way personally.
0: All right. You made it through the lightning round. Sweet. So Sahil, I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about Gumroad. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and insights with our audience. And thanks for letting us get to know you a little better personally too. If folks want to find out more about Gumroad or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, so definitely if you want to find more about Gumroad, just visit the website. My personal email is my first name, sahil at gumroad.com. You can also at reply me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at SHL. Um those are probably the two best ways to get a hold
0: of me. Awesome. So thanks again, Sahil, and I wish you continued success with Gumroad in the future.
1: Awesome. Really appreciate you having me and yeah the best the same to you
0: Cheers